RTL Original Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Luxembourg History Podcast. My name is Tom Tutton and I'm your host for our second series. Today we're looking at some of the lesser known aspects of Luxembourgish history and culture. We'll start off with an investigation of folk dancing in the Grand Duchy before finding out about Luxembourg's one-time calendar. We hope you'll enjoy the podcast. Although they're only rarely practiced today, Luxembourg does actually have a repertoire of folk dances with specific choreographies that used to be widely performed. Now it should be noted straight away that there are two major problems when it comes to talking about Luxembourgish folk dancing. Firstly, apart from a number of small local initiatives, there is no living folk dancing tradition in Luxembourg. In fact, and as we'll discuss later, even these local associations were the result of a revival movement that sought to bring back lost Luxembourgish traditions in the aftermath of World War II. The second problem is that it is quite difficult to find reliable sources on Luxembourg's folk dances. In contrast to other European countries, interest in researching these folkloristic traditions has only emerged quite late in the Grand Duchy. There is, however, one text entitled Luxembourgish Folk Dances, which allows us to get at least an idea of this little-known aspect of Luxembourgish culture. The text in question is a memoir written by the late Paul Morris, who was a PE teacher and folk dance enthusiast herself. The large majority of what follows will thus be based on Morris's memoir and other information provided by the folklore group Oust Laverrier. Now, a number of historical documents and records convey an idea of when and how people living in the area we have come to know today as Luxembourg like to dance. Skimming through them, it stands out that Luxembourg's dancing traditions seem to be somewhat intertwined with its other, hugely influential tradition of funfairs. One particular type of dance, which also shows ties to feudal times, was that of the danse seigneurale, a seigneur being a French title of nobility held by the owner of a fief. In the days of feudalism, the young people of a village had to ask their seigneur for the right to dance at their local fair. The seigneur would then open the ball by dancing with whom he deemed to be the most beautiful girl in the village. And if for any reason the seigneur could not attend a ball in person, the privilege was apparently auctioned off. Some documents cite names of specific dances, such as the Schweizerimann or the Siebensprung. However, they usually lack detailed description of the dances. A book which was highly influential in reviving interest in Luxembourg's tradition of folk dances was G. Spedener's The Marriages of Farmers in the Olden Days, from 1933. Spedener not only named and described a variety of traditional marriage dances, but also attributed specific 18th century composers to the songs that went with them, something which would prove to be an enormous help to members of the revivalist movement some years later. After World War II, a renewed interest in folk traditions swept across numerous European countries. In Luxembourg, youth hostels played an important role as a sort of hub, where people who shared a common interest in reviving lost Luxembourgish traditions met. This ambition may well have been fueled by the trauma of German occupation and the Nazis' attempt to suppress Luxembourgish identity and culture. Over the years, a number of local folk dance associations formed, with the most well-known being Oust Laveillet, Vallée des Sept Châteaux, and La Ronde. In the conclusion to her memoir, Morris proposed three distinct categories of traditional, folklorized, and historical dances, listing a grand total of 14 distinct Luxembourgish dances. In Morris's categorization, traditional dances are those whose melodies and choreographies have been handed down right up until today, 
and which are thus considered to be the most authentically Luxembourgish dances. These include the Sieversprung and the Schiberli. Folklorized dances, meanwhile, refers to dances recreated by the revivalist movement, as well as dances from border regions which have been integrated into Luxembourgish tradition. Finally, historical dances were those which Morris had discovered during her own research, but were not being performed at the time. And it should be pointed out that Morris deliberately excluded a number of dances from her list which were actually performed by local folkloristic groups at the time, and maybe still are to this day. The reasons for this are that the dances were either judged to be foreign to Luxembourgish culture, for example as they had a particular connection to a region or village too far away from Luxembourg, or that they are only known by name but had otherwise completely disappeared. Now the term of Luxembourgish folk dancing is, to be fair, a little misleading if it suggests that there were a number of dances that were invented in Luxembourg and exclusively performed inside its borders. In reality, the history and present of these dances is much less black and white than some may believe. It's not wrong to say that there are Luxembourgish folk dances in the sense that there are a number of dances that were performed in a constantly changing area known by different names throughout history by an ever-changing demographic of people with vastly different identities. These dances should thus not be seen as a means to separate what is Luxembourgish from what is not, but instead as proof of the shared cultural heritage of the region, its multiculturalism, and the many, many influences that have always been at the core of Luxembourg's history. So what do these dances actually look like? Well, we'll take a closer look at the Sieversprung. The Sieversprung is a so-called circle or chain dance, which is probably one of the oldest known dance formations in Europe. It's a dance with a very long tradition. In fact, some sources suggest it may be among the oldest dances that have been continually handed down over the centuries. The Sieversprung is part of the folklore of practically all of Europe's German-speaking territories and was mentioned by name by numerous Luxembourgish authors. According to Morris, it seems that the dance was originally tied to a ritual, more specifically an agricultural ritual. It appears to have originally been performed by men during the spring and may have been a means to encourage fertility. The dance later evolved into a couple's dance and it is in this form that it is performed to this day in Luxembourg as well. The original message of fertility seems to have taken on a more carnal meaning, as the dance's signature jumps, usually performed by the men, are meant to impress and seduce their female dance partners. Over the course of the dance's seven jumps, the men gradually get closer to the ground until they completely lie down on their stomachs following the last jump. The women then pull on the men's clothes to help them up. Now of course I'm not doing the wonderful Sieversprung justice here by trying to describe it, so if you want to learn more you can of course find it on YouTube. And furthermore, in October 2020, the Ministry of Culture officially added the Luxembourgish folk dances to its inventory of the Grand Duchy's intangible cultural heritage. So what are you waiting for? Find yourself a group somewhere and get folk dancing. Next up, we're going to discuss the Luxembourgish calendar. Now, some of you might have a so-called postman's calendar, or Briefdrehisch calendar, at home. Post Luxembourg usually distributes them for free to all households and besides being a lovely gesture, this particular calendar is actually somewhat of a linguistic stronghold. If you look at it more closely, it actually features not only the standard names for the 12 months of the year, but also some rather peculiar Luxembourgish names. Now most of them have died out, and it's unlikely that they will ever come up in a conversation. However, if you would like to impress your Luxembourgish colleagues and friends with your knowledge about local culture and history, remembering one or two of these might be a really handy way to do so. So starting from January, the name Hartmund 
literally translating to hard month, is related to similar designations in the German language, such as Hartmonat or Hartmond. However, while the German variants could also refer to months other than January, depending on regional usage, the Luxembourgish Hartmond has generally always been used to refer to the first month of the year. The meaning of this name seems a bit obvious at first, and generally it is indeed accepted that the name refers to January being a hard month, either because winter conditions make life hard, or quite simply referring to the hard snow and ice that covers the ground at this time of the year. However, there is actually some debate among linguists suggesting that Hartmount could come from an old High German word potentially connected to the winter solstice. Moving on to February, Spiekel is without a doubt one of the most peculiar of the old Luxembourgish names for the months of the year. It's therefore no wonder that the etymology behind it is just as fascinating. Basically, there are two main lines of interpretation when it comes to this name. The first is to see its origin in a Proto-Indo-European word meaning to twitch, spring, shoot up, or also to sprinkle, burst and spray. The name Spiekel would then carry the idea of the sprouting of buds, or to put it in the words of linguist Karl Weinhold, the jumping, bursting force of the bustling spring which penetrates the winter cover. This would also establish a link between Spiekel and the English word spring, which goes back to the same ancestral root. The second interpretation, however, sees a more spiritual origin in the name. The term Spurcalia can be found in Latin sources from the late 7th to early 8th centuries and describes a cleansing and sacrificial offering celebration which took place in February. The month of March was referred to by two different names by Luxembourgs of the olden days. Außenzeit, which literally translates to outdoors time, and Lenzmount. Außenzeit quite simply referred to the fact that due to the coming spring, farmers were spending increasing amounts of time outdoors and letting their cattle out onto the meadow again. The second term Lenzmount is related to the archaic German word Lenzing, with Lenz meaning long and the second part Ing being a shortened suffix carrying the meaning of day, so long day. Lenzmount thus referred to the month in which the days started becoming longer again. Both of April's former names are also quite self-explanatory. Ostermont, literally translating to Easter month, and Freiling, an archaic form of Freyur, meaning spring. The month of May had a number of different names, while Peishtmount, literally translating to Pentecost month, evidently refers to the Christian Pentecost celebration, the Octavmount is a reference to the very Luxembourgish tradition of the Octave pilgrimage. Playamount, another variant for the month of May, can be translated literally to month of blooms. Now the names for June and July need to be analysed side by side because they have a particular quirk among the names of the month in Luxembourgish. Bruchmont meant something in the vein of month of fallow land, while Heymount can be literally translated to Heymonth. According to a well-known expert in Luxembourgish language and culture, Alain Atten, both names could be used to designate both June and July because they refer to specific agricultural activities. Making hay, in particular, required a long period of dry weather in the days when people did not use machines to do this work. On the other hand, plowing fallow land was less dependent on meteorological conditions. Especially in northern Luxembourg, therefore, Bruchmount often referred to July, while Haymount was used for June. Atten also mentions another name, or rather a phrase, that was used to refer to the time before the month of August, Tescht Alt an Nate, or Between Old and New. The meaning of this phrase is between old and new bread, as it originated in a time when most people still made their own bread at home.
Of all the old names for the months of the year, it's probably Karschnatz that most Luxembourgers still remember as an alternative name for August. It refers to the yearly harvest, and specifically the rye harvest, as Kar is the Luxembourgish word for rye, and Schnatz or Schnat carries the meaning of cutting. And according to the Luxembourgish dictionary, Karschnatz can be used as a designation for the overall harvest period, the harvest itself, or as an alternative name for the month of August. And there are also sources that suggest that Karschnatz was also the name of one of Luxembourg's folk dances. The dance allegedly imitated the movements of farmers sowing, cutting and binding ears of corn. Now while some Luxembourgers might have heard the term Karschnatz before, it's almost certain that the large majority will give you a puzzled look when you ask them about Hoovermont as the old Luxembourgish name for the month of September. Hoover is the Luxembourgish word for oats and thus the name Hoovermont Oats month quite simply refers to the annual oats harvest, which in the olden days usually took place in September. And the Luxembourgish name for October is once again a reminder of how things have changed over the past years and decades. Weimount, literally translating to wine month, was its former name, and it referred, no surprises here, to the annual grape harvest mainly in eastern Luxembourg along the Moselle. It's a reminder of change because, as wine enthusiasts or those living in the Grand Duchy's wine region know, The grape harvest nowadays starts in September. The postman's calendar usually cites either Vantamont, literally translating to winter month, or Allerhelligermount, literally All Saints month, as the old Luxembourgish names for the second to the last month of the year, November. However, Atten points out that Vantamount is a very general term that could be used to refer to any of the cold months and that there is actually a much more specific name for November. Mainly used in northern Luxembourg, the name Reismount came from the archaic Luxembourgish verb Reisen, meaning to fall down, as in leaves, or to descend, as in fog or mist. Considering this name, it once again becomes clear how people in the olden days simply named months after meteorological conditions that they could observe at that time of the year. The final name on this list is once again very self-explanatory. The old Luxembourgish name for the month of December was quite simply Kreischtmount, or literally Christmas month. And while these old Luxembourgish month names may not have any practical uses anymore, it's still quite insightful to hear about them. They allow us to take a glimpse into a very different time and a very different country as well, marked mainly by agricultural activity and the occasional religious festivities. That's all we've got for today. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll join us for the next episode of the Luxembourg History Podcast. This episode was based on articles by Tom Weber. Script adaptation and hosting by Thomas Tutton and brought to you by RTL Today.